Morning, everybody. Wow, Claire sends her love. She, uh, she's been sick on and off, well, really on, for a few weeks. And uh, she, she has, uh, I, I said she kind of soldiers through at times. Um, and so she would, like, do something and then be back down. But we, she did go to the doctor. How many are slow going to the doctor? Yeah, good for you. I feel, I feel uh, just a camaraderie with you all. Anyway, I'm just always holding out for Jesus to heal me without any kind of bills. And, um, <laughs> right? So, um, anyway, she went to the doctor the other day, found out she had strep throat and uh, influenza A. She's got it at the same time. So she's been on some antibiotics for a few days. So appreciate your prayers, but uh, she was really uh, disappointed that she wasn't able to be here this morning. Um, so anyway, Happy New Year. Um, just, it's always, it's always kind of cool uh, this time around Christmas to get to see some folks that maybe are in town um, that, you know, family members and folks that visit that we don't normally get to see, but they're in town for maybe being with family and stuff. So uh, we greet you. We're grateful you're here. Thank God for you. I really love seeing uh, some of the younger people that were here really from the time they were a baby and grew up here at Crossroads, and then they've gone off uh, to somewhere else. They are no longer in the center of the universe. They're at some other part of the universe here in Marshall, Michigan, uh, but it's awesome to see them. We're just grateful for you. So I want to talk to you for a couple minutes. Stacy mentioned we're going to be starting a new series going into 2020. Isn't that crazy? 2020. I saw somebody said that it was 20 years ago, Y2K in a couple of days. Isn't that crazy? Any of you guys still have rice or beans in your basement, you might want to just go ahead and eat that. I think you're safe. Uh, or throw it out. All right? Maybe sell that generator that you've never used. But uh, anyway, hopefully your computer's still working. But um, some of you aren't even old enough to know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, the time just flies. A new decade. So we're going to be talking, just really trying to talk about vision, uh, 2020 vision going into the new year. So starting next week, we're going to be talking about things like vision for our family, vision for our finances, vision for our faith. And we got a whole series lined up. Really excited about that. We're excited about what God might do uh, in us and through us. But I want to take this morning uh, and kind of lay some groundwork for 2020. And uh, also, we have already spent some wonderful time thanking God and doing some examine work around 2019 as we close this out. But I want to talk about uh, this issue of training ourselves in godliness going into 2020, because I can't think of anything better to kind of lay groundwork and cast vision for the new year that we're heading into. So Paul says this in 1 Timothy um, chapter 4, Paul says this, he says, you have been raised on the message of the faith, he's speaking to Timothy here, and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there, and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. Everyone say exercise. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. (laughs) I love this. You got to love the message version, right? 
workouts and the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally, this venture of serving and living into a God life, right? A God-serving life. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. Now, um, some of you would recognize uh, the kind of literal literal translation at one point here when, when Paul starts to talk about, you know, it's good to be trained physically in your body. Um, and many have said, a lot of commentators and historians say Paul was very familiar with what uh, was called the Isthmus Games, which was similar to what we would consider the Olympics. So he uses that analogy, uses it in Corinthians, he uses it here. Uh, very familiar with athletes training their body, and he uses, he connects it with us spiritually training our bodies, and more literally what he says is train yourself in godliness. Train yourself, exercise yourself, disciple yourself. Now, it's that time of year where you start to see New Year's resolutions, and maybe some of you are into this kind of New Year's resolution stuff. So I did a little bit of research for you so that you can maybe adhere to the lists that are already starting to come out. Um, there's, there's been surveys done. Here's some of the most popular, top 10 most popular um, resolutions going into 2020, all right? Uh, 51% of people that were surveyed say they want to manage their finances better. The funny thing about that is that kind of stays around 51%. So they obviously never do it. They just, next year, they'll say they want to do it better again. Uh, 51% of us say we want to eat healthier. 50% of us say we want to be more active. 42% say they want to lose weight. Uh, Nobody uh, says they want to gain weight that I see on the list here. Um... 38% 38% want say they want to improve their mental well-being. 30% say improve their social connections. 22% say learn a new skill. And 22% say be more eco-friendly. Those are the top 10. Uh, then I found this one that I think might even be more helpful. This is the top 25 resolutions for underachievers. Now, this is the group that sets the bar low, and there's actually only 13 because they're underachievers. They don't actually have 25. So here they are. Number one, eat less spiders in my sleep. Number two, spend the majority of the year in a caftan. If you don't know what a caftan is, just look back at the 70s in the hippie movement and... Yeah, a lot of hippies wore caftans, and now the, the people don't call themselves hippies, but they still are, and they're wearing caftans. Anyway, it's a, it's a moo-moo, basically. Anyway, if somebody's sitting in your row that has a moo-moo on, don't, don't laugh too loud. Uh, number three, keep my eyebrows symmetrical. These are the underachievers. Number four... Uh, When I wake up and need to go to the bathroom, go right away. That's a good one. Number five, file my 2008 taxes. Number six, put back my shopping cart. Uh, I I wondered, did that mean that they took the shopping cart home or they just mean after they're done shopping? Number seven, find out the smell in my house. (laughs) Number eight, eat more french fries. Remember, these are the underachievers. Number nine... Um, buy some gym clothes because they're more comfortable when I'm laying on the couch. 
Number 10, only hit the snooze button twice. Number 11, carry a book wherever I go, even though I will never read it. Number 12, go outside occasionally. Uh, And number 13, get a clapper for my lights in my living room. It's the underachievers. It's funny because this group, um, they're looking for 2020 to be the best year ever. And because the bar is so low, it shouldn't be hard to achieve. You know, some people, when they say, I want 2020 to be the best year ever, you're like, wow, man, that's really saying something. But some, sometimes when it's said, it's like, well, the bar is pretty low. It shouldn't be too hard to do that. Anyway, God bless us all as we try to make, uh, live into the full lives that we have. But spiritual exercises and training are not like resolutions. See, that's part of the problem is I think sometimes we come into church, we hear something that's challenging, we get inspired or we get inspired. We don't even have to be in church and we get these, we don't call them resolutions, but we think, you know, I want to be more loving. I want to be more patient. I want to be more generous. I want to be more long suffering. I want to be more forgiving, whatever it may be. We've got this list And we set them up like resolutions. And we all know that resolutions just end up being broken. We get frustrated with resolutions because resolutions are things that ultimately we just rely totally on ourselves. What Paul is talking about here when he talks about training yourself in godliness, he's talking about spiritually exercising. He's talking about setting up disciplines in your life, practices, rhythms in your life and mine so that when we enter into these places, those, those desires that we have to be more patient, to be more peaceful, to be more generous, to be more loving, that we flow into it. That literally, by setting up good godly practices in our life, that will begin to flow. See, um, musicians know this. Our musicians that come up here, they know that it takes lessons, they do scales, they've practiced for years, and they come up and it flows out of them. They don't just show up for the performance desiring to be good musicians. They have practiced, they've trained. Athletes get this. In, they do weight training, they do calisthenics, they do exercises, they do different things to train themselves because practices, we all know, lead to permanence in our life. I love what Tom Brady says. He says, I really love training and being in good shape, and it is so much a part of my life now, so it, will never really fe- so it never really feels like work to me. Tom Brady, um, many would say the greatest quarterback ever. Um, Heading into, I think he, I don't know if he is 40 yet, but pretty close to that, still playing at an extremely high level in the NFL. And this is a guy that just says, you know, I just love being in good shape and I love exercising. So here's part of the misnomer when it comes to not just regular exercising. I love what he says here, but spiritual exercises, spiritual disciplines in our life. Let's take it out of the things of the natural, but there's such a connection and we'll get into that in a second. Spiritual disciplines, we think that they always have to be something that we will not enjoy. That it's always, it always has to be something that we will dislike, but that's not true. It can be true. It can be hard. It can be spiritual disciplines and practices and rhythms, spiritual exercises, things like, you know, prayer or abstaining from things, fasting, generosity. Those things can can challenge us, 
But then they can, some of those same things can also be things that we really celebrate and fully enjoy. Now, I want to talk to you about some thoughts on healthy and wise spiritual training for our new year. See, we're not just looking for resolutions. According to Paul, he's saying train yourself in godliness. And I think if we want to live the best 2020 as people that desire to move into deeper relationships with God, wherever your relationship is with God, I think if we set some things up that go beyond just resolutions, like things like you may be saying, I want to be more loving, I want to be more patient, I want to be more peaceful, I want to be more attentive. We don't want to just set those things up to be frustrated. I think there's some things we need to pay attention to that the scripture draws to us. The first thing is when we talk about things like spiritual disciplines and spiritual training, The first thing that I've heard is people, I've heard people say this, they say, well, isn't this just a work of the flesh? Like, if I do these things, then then I will become a better person in God. Isn't that just a work in the flesh? Isn't it all that I work up? And I think that's just an incomplete view of what God's inviting us to. The first thing that we need to understand is that we need to live open to the Holy Spirit. Everyone say that after me, live open to the Holy Spirit. Let's say it again, live open to the Holy Spirit. There is no doubt, Jesus put it this way, he says the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The truth about you and I is definitely, we need to be open to the wind of the Holy Spirit, the the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first place we need to start when it comes to exercising ourselves, training ourselves in godliness, is we need to say, God, I am open to your activity in my life. Because listen, you can, you can water your life, you can feed your life, you can discipline your life, but it's God that brings the increase. It is the Holy Spirit that causes you and I to grow. We, we uh, come as uh, loving children, wanting to be obedient and just desiring to be uh, open to the work of God in our lives. But at the end of the day, God brings the increase. Think of it like a sailboat. A sailboat has to require the wind. It requires the wind to be moved. The wind creates the movement. It isn't a work of the flesh, movement in your life toward God. See, it's true if you set your life up like you're a motorboat, you're the one putting the gas in, you're the one steering the boat, you're the one moving around the water, it is totally about you. And it is your job. But our invitation is to catch the wind of the Spirit, to live open to the Holy Spirit breathing into our lives. We are simply people that are called to hoist the sails, to put the rudder in the, in the water, and to allow the wind of God to do what the wind of God can only do for you and I. 2020, the most important thing for every one of us is that we would be open to the activity of God's spirit in our life. That when God breathes and a wind comes, that we would catch it. See, you and I can't take credit for that movement. You and I can't take credit for the growth and the increase. It's God that brings increase and growth in our life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We just open ourselves 
We welcome the Holy Spirit. We open our lives. Even how, how good would it be beyond as amazing as it was being led in song and worship? And we had very tangible moments of this in worship already, whether it was through the songs we were singing or communion, welcoming the activity of the Holy Spirit. How wonderful would that be to be cognizant and aware of that, to live into that fully every day, to wake up every day starting today all through 2020 and say, welcome Holy Spirit. What are we going to do today? I am ready to hoist my sail. I am ready to pay attention to the move and the breath of God to pay attention to the movement. See, sailors know how to read the wind. They know how to discern the spirit. They can look across the lake. They could tell you how the wind is moving if they're experienced enough. They know how to listen for the wind. They know how to notice how the wind is, is blowing across things and they respond. They know how to catch the wind. And know this, the wind doesn't always blow. Sometimes the wind dies down and you feel like your boat is just sitting there and that's the time to sit and wait and listen. Wait for the next movement of the wind. A great example of this in scripture is Moses. Moses is just going for a walk one day, but he's ready to set sail, whatever God has for him, and suddenly he sees a burning bush. The burning bush is God's job. That's the work of the spirit in our life. But Moses turns aside. He sets sail. He pays attention. That's his work. John Ortberg puts it this way. He says, when we're spirit-sensitive followers of Jesus, we, dis we discern when laughter, gentleness, silence, healing words, and prophetic indignation are called for. And we offer it promptly, effectively, and lovingly. So the first thing and the most important thing I believe fully is that we would live open to the Holy Spirit, that we would be ready to set sail when God is ready to breathe across our life. Secondly, that we would live aware and be respectful of our uniqueness. Each one of us is unique. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, you and I are workmanship, that God has worked on us and created us in Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You and I really are fearfully, wonderfully, and uniquely made. You are a masterpiece of God. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it goes on and says, Paul says, we have this treasure. There is a treasure in you, a unique treasure in earthen vessels. It speaks to the responsibility when it comes to spiritual training of your life and mine is a unique gift that God has placed on the earth and the call is to steward responsibly over that life that we've been given. It takes some work. It takes some activity to pay attention to the uniqueness in our life. One of the reasons why we just went through the series on the Enneagram was to help all of us pay more attention to the unique design God has created us in. That you would be able to pay more and more attention to how God has designed you the places of your strengths and the places where you are more challenged, the places where you could celebrate and continue to move forward and the places that you're being invited to move forward. 
to, to be able to celebrate your uniqueness and live fully into it, to know how you're designed, your strengths, the areas to grow and develop, the ways that God wants to bring increase in your life, and the areas that possibly we're, we've been blind to, and we need to confess. The reason that we have small groups around here is because iron sharpens iron. It's paying attention again to our uniqueness as we come around with one another and we meet together, just like they did in the book of Acts, we break bread together and we go to one another's homes, we pray for one another, and then we're prayed for. We celebrate one another and we're celebrated and we grieve at times or we're grieved over for the difficulty in our own life. It's all a part of celebrating and living and stewarding our uniqueness. When we come in here on Sunday morning with our children and our grandchildren perhaps or, or your friends, when we come in here, we come to celebrate the fact that God has made each one of us unique and we come to celebrate a God who celebrates our uniqueness. And he celebrates the fact that he is in our midst and we celebrate the fact that God is in our midst and God is for us. And we get to serve from here. We launch out and we, in our service, we begin to break the tendency in our uniqueness as we steward over the gift of our life. We begin to break the tendency, not only of our, uh, of our own culture, but really the worldly tendency that says the world revolves around us. And it just doesn't. You are uniquely designed. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are awesome. But the world does not revolve around any of us. That's why it's okay for you to take a nap when you need it, because the world will not stop. But it begins to break that tendency, serving one another. I bring my unique gifts, the goodness that God has placed in my life. You bring your unique gifts when we serve one another, when we serve in some tangible way, and God does a wonderful work. The third thing that we see is we need to live sensitive to the seasons of our life. Some of us are living our life like we're wearing shorts and a t-shirt in a snowstorm. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 says, for everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. See, it's interesting when you start to talk about spiritual disciplines or spiritual rhythms or spiritual practices or spiritual exercises or training yourself in godliness, there's these things, it's almost like it gets lumped into certain categories, right? There's like, there's, there's disciplines that come to mind right away, like prayer, obviously, and everybody should be praying, but how do you pray? Like, what does that look like for this season in your life? Um, Obviously, everybody should be reading scripture, but how does that manifest in your life? So what happens is we set up kind of these ruts where it's like these are the acceptable disciplines of life, and these, are the, these would not be considered disciplines in life. But I, so what happens is some people feel barriers to the disciplines that other people can fully live into. I have somebody really close to me, for instance, that's at a stage in life where she is able to do a Bible study every day for a couple of hours if she wanted. And many days does that. Now, just me saying that makes some of you tremble, like not because you don't want to do a Bible study for a couple hours a day. But the thought that you would have a couple hours a day to do a Bible study makes you shudder. I am here to tell you that all of your life counts. 
There is not a season when you are a lesser person before God than another season. All of it counts. The times you have in your life where you have two hours for a Bible study every day and the times where you don't feel like you've got two minutes. See, because this is what Claire and I say all the time, God comes disguised as your life. God is a part of your life. See, every moment is full of possibilities for growth in Christ. Every moment is full of the opportunity. There is a limitless availability of exercises and disciplines. I think of the example of a young mom with with young children. And the thought, for instance, that can happen in those situations, my heart goes out at times, uh, because I, I think, you know, we can be in a life situation where we're thinking, you know, this whole thing about, Uh, alone time with God and silence. Well, to a young mom with young kids, that really can sound like an oxymoron. That sounds like another planet that, that that happens on. And a young mom, for instance, can just strive and feel condemned and feel disappointed. As opposed to how about this? That this season, when you have young children and possibly you can't get away for a couple hours at a time every day, that maybe this season is affording you the treasure of filled opportunities of gratitude and prayer, growing in patience and endurance and grace and compassion as you do life with your children who are bringing their life to you and you're mentoring them in godliness. See, the point of spiritual practices and exercises isn't that I would check off a list and you would check off a list of, oh, I've done all of those practices and exercises. The point is, is that you would become more like Jesus and that I would become more like Jesus. All of life is an opportunity for me to live and for you to live into exercises that train us in spirituality. Our house the past few weeks has been crazy. I already mentioned that Claire hasn't been feeling well. So that in itself like blows everything up. So this last week, we, we've had the grandchildren around the house a lot. And like everybody, I, I apparently am the carrier. Everybody's been sick. Literally everybody's been sick. At one point, I thought there was going to be a mob that was going to throw me out of my own house. He's the, he's the culprit. He hasn't been sick yet. So there's like... There's like vomiting going on all over the place. And sorry if you're sensitive to that stuff, because I am, definitely. People start coughing right away when I say that. Anyway, Claire's got strep throat. We got all this stuff going on. And a a few days ago, our three-year-old granddaughter, uh, she's been with us a lot this last week. Anyway, she loves when we wake up in the morning. Claire and I, uh, we spend some time praying together. And when she's at our house, our three-year-old granddaughter loves to just come. She just loves to be quiet early in the morning. She just loves to kind of enter in slowly. So she loves to just be there during that prayer time, and she just kind of sits. Well, she has really had a bad stomach flu going on, and thank God she's doing better. But anyway, this one morning, she, you could tell she was just really not well. So we got done with prayer. Claire had to go back to bed because she was like really not doing well. And so I'm there with the three-year-old sitting on the couch. And I've got the, I've got the bucket. Like that's what we do in our house. Get the bucket. Try to stay close to wood floors or tile. You know, leather couches are easier to clean. This is how you think, you know, especially grandparents are like weird people. Anyway, so I'm sitting on the couch and we're sitting there and I, I, um, 
I have this sense that I just want to get up. And she's just like snuggled in and it's like, I just want to get up. And I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, where are you planning on going? Like, did you ever have that? Like you just, you just, you're so used to moving and doing and God faithfully spoke to me and said, where do you think you are going? And I sat there, I had the invitation, the spiritual exercise and training to say, just be here now. Just hold your granddaughter. Let her whimper through what's going on. And I turned on this music that we love at our house. Just calming. Thank you, Lord, for calming the storm. Thank you, Lord, for being with me in my tumult. And we just sat there. And we learned how to be more like Jesus together. How many opportunities happen in our life that we're passing by that would so help us to move closer to being the kind of people that Jesus wants us to be? Which leads to this last piece, and it is to live with intention. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. See, the truth about me and the truth about you is we will not drift into healthy transformation, healthy spiritual life. We don't drift into it. The truth is, is what we drift into generally is unhealthy spaces or dangerous spaces or stuck spaces. I remember years ago, um, Sean and Kathleen and Claire and I, this, we were back in the Detroit, we were actually in the Irish Hills at some friend's house on a lake. And uh, it was a, you know, decent-sized lake, but it wasn't like Lake Michigan, obviously. So um, they had a sailboat small sailboat, and uh, anyway, the, the women had kind of gotten together, and somebody said, well, does anybody know how to sail a boat? And Kathleen says, I know how to sail a boat, which she didn't know how to sail a boat, but she, she's just that kind of person. She's game. Like, I know how to sail a boat. So off they went. They all jumped in the sailboat, and, you know, it was like uh, Gilligan's Island. Uh, so off they went. The sail's up, the wind is kind of blowing them across the lake, kind of picks up a little bit. Uh, at one point, Kathleen, I was told, pulled up the rudder. She says, I wonder what this is for. Anyway, they knew at that point, it's probably, she probably doesn't know how to sail a boat, but this is going to be a whale of a story. So uh, sure enough, once they kind of got to way on the other side of the lake, uh, we realized, we, this was before cell phones, we realized, you know what, we should probably get a boat that has a motor and go help them. See, because we drift into dangerous or less 
enticing spaces. This is how spiritual life goes, right? That was a fun moment, but it's not so fun when it happens in our life in reality. Moving into 2020, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing for all of us, is to say, God, I open myself to intentionally make some commitments to you that I'm not going to be legalistic or pharisaical about, but I am going to set up a framework. My sails are ready to go. I am ready for the life that you have created for me. There's nothing out of bounds. Uh, Years ago, Claire and I, and I'll finish with this, Claire and I were speaking at a church in Florida, and they had a couple of bodybuilders, like world-class kind of bodybuilders in the church. And our friend invited us in. And um, anyway, uh, Claire and I were doing like some leadership stuff, and then we did Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, we noticed that these two bodybuilders, they're in like the second row, and they got a picnic set up. Like literally, like they have a bucket of chicken, like, like healthy KFC kind of, that's an oxymoron. But anyway, so, but like literally this big bucket of chicken and they're eating chicken. Like, we're sorry, we don't provide chicken. I mean, we have some coffee and water if you'd like. Uh, You can have communion, but no chicken. Anyway, these dudes are eating chicken and it's kind of getting disruptive. So our friend, and they had been a part of the church for a long time. Our friend afterward was just like not happy. My friend Jimmy, I'm like, well, what's the problem? And we kind of thought it was kind of funny. He says, they're eating chicken in the second row and everybody's watching. The kids are watching them. Everybody thinks they're going to bring picnic. It's like, it's okay. But see, they were eating chicken because they were on this like world-class bodybuilding thing where they just had to be eating protein all the time. And I thought, man, oh man, what a great example of commitment. My buddy's like, yeah, that's really funny. No, what an example. I mean, they can be that committed to just having big biceps. I mean, look at mine. I haven't done anything for mine. How much more? It does challenge me. See, Jesus says it's worth selling everything you have to buy the farm, to get the treasure. To be trained in godliness, nothing, nothing even comes close to that. And before we do anything moving into 2020, let's do this, gang. Let's commit to having the most vibrant, growing, fascinating adventure of a life in Christ that each one of us can. Now, maybe you're in the room today and you might say, Scott, I've never even given my life to Christ. I've never even thought about that. I would just say, what a great opportunity to start. You could start now just by simply saying, Jesus, I open my life to you. For the first time, I make a cognizant commitment to you. And I'm going to give this a go. There's some of us in the room that would love to have that clean slate opportunity, and the truth is we all have it. That this is a new day for each one of us to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to set sail. I don't want to come to the end of 2020 and not see that there's been some amazing developments in my life spiritually. So even now, God, I pray for my friends and I pray for myself. 
we open ourselves to the activity of the Holy Spirit. We open ourselves to live that kind of life, God, where nothing is more important than our relationship with you. That we literally will give our attention to it, that in every moment of every day that we know that it's an opportunity for us to be guided by you, for us to connect with you, for us to become more like you. In our uniqueness, oh God, draw us to yourself. Now I speak blessing over every person in the room, all the children upstairs, those that aren't here that are part of our congregation that couldn't make it today. Speak blessing. I speak increase, growth, goodness, development, empowerment, health, life. Pray over everyone's mind in this room that 2020 we would be people that would be living in wholeness, that our minds would be continually being restored and renewed. That, that we would go about, Lord, showing evidence of your grace on the earth in our lives personally and then letting it flow through us. Oh God, make us the kind of people that you have designed us to be and help us to live more fully into that. God, we just breathe in the goodness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit.
this new year, for this new decade to be with them, to walk out in the newness of life, to walk out in new ways that they've never seen before. God, bless their comings in and their goings out. Bless their week, bless their families. God, let us be able to receive the goodness of all that you are together now and forevermore. And it's in the name of Christ we pray together. Amen. Have a wonderful week, a happy new year. We hope to see you back next weekend as we celebrate the new year together next week.